Writing Freedom, Chapter 5. Charlotte stood up and backed away from the solid-looking, bald-pated man. What are you doing in my stable? he said. I, I needed a place to sleep. I'm sorry, said Charlotte. You the one who cleaned my stalls? Y- yes, sir. He lowered the pitchfork and looked at Charlotte closely. She reached down and grabbed her cap and pulled it on. You're a scrawny-looking thing, said the man. Yes, sir. You live around here? Uh, I just moved to these parts. Uh, I'm looking for a job. Where are your folks? He asked. They, they live out past town. We're on a hard time, so, so they sent me in to find work. How'd you get you in here? I helped the stage driver bed his horses. Well, I don't need any help. You need to get on home. Charlotte wanted to say that she didn't have a home. She wanted to say that she was on her own and that she needed help. But she knew she couldn't say those things. She didn't know this man. He might turn her into mill shark for all she knew. Uh, I'll work for free if I can sleep and eat here. I can soak those bridles for you, make them look like new. The man grubbed his hand over his bald head. I'm the best groomer around. I can ride and I can... His face softened. Well... You did a right smart job on the stalls. The bridles are pretty pitiful. I could use a bit of help, but I'm moving my stables to Rhode Island in a few months. Providence, so don't be getting any ideas about staying long. You can sleep in the loft, since you're already doing it. I've been mucking and raking for weeks without a boy, but I don't tolerate no trouble. No, sir, said Charlotte. Name's Ebenezer Balk. Go on over and eat at the cafe, tell him I sent you, then come back and get to work. You sure are scrawny for a growing boy. Ebenezer told her that he'd gone through more stable boys than he cared to count, and that they had all been as lazy as pigs. Charlotte was determined to show him that she was reliable. She put in long hours in the busy stable, cleaning stalls, forking hay, and grooming and feeding the horses. She was the first one up in the morning and the last in bed at night. If there was time, she mended harnesses without being asked. She kept thinking that just maybe, if she worked hard enough, Ebenezer would need help in Rhode Island. But more than that, she loved the horses, always talking and clucking to them like they were her babies. Before long, she could coax even the stubborn ones to do almost anything with just the murmurings of her voice. The stock tenders shook their heads in amazement, and more than once Charlotte caught Ebenezer watching her with the horses. She'd been there several months when he came into the tack room. He looked unhappy. Charlie, sit down. Charlotte knew what was coming. All the preparations had been made to move the business. An uncertain fear crept over her. What would she do after Ebenezer left? Ebenezer cleared his throat and said, A man was in town this morning telling about a runaway girl from an orphanage all the way over in New Hampshire. Said she might have drowned in the river, but might have lived too. He's going up and down the stage line looking for her. 
wanted to know if I knew anything about her, cause here tell, she's real good with horses. She came up missing about the time you showed up here. You know anything about that? Charlotte looked down at the bridle she held in her hands. She felt the blood draining from her face. No, sir, she said. She didn't like lying to Ebenezer. Well, I told him I never seen or heard nothing. He wanted to know if I had a stable boy. I didn't like the looks or the sounds of him one bit. Said he was ready to punish the girl and wanted to find her in the worst way. Humph! Acted like he wanted to come poking around my stables. I told him there ain't no use that all I had around my place was top-notch stock tenders. Ain't that right? Yes, sir, said Charlotte. Anyhow, ain't been no girls around here, has there? Ebenezer stepped back and looked at Charlotte in a way that he never had before. Did he know? Charlotte winced. No, sir, she said. Well, that's what I told him. So she probably did drown. Yep, that's what I think. Drowned in the river. Ain't that sad? He cleared his throat again. <laughs> now, another thing. I don't think this fellow, who's going to give up easy, cocky as he is, I suspect he'll be asking around town and probably showing up here to ask questions. Everyone knows I got a new hand. Charlotte nodded. Her mouth felt dry. What if Milshark showed up here and Neb Ebenezer got in trouble for hiring her? The thought of Mr. Milshark finding her and taking her back to the orphanage made her palms sweaty, made her heart pound. Maybe she should leave. But leaving would mean she'd have to start all over again. She would need to find someplace else to work and sleep and eat and hide. Charlotte stood up and dropped the bridle. She edged toward the door. Uh, I need to get on home, you know, since you're moving the stables and all. I best get going. Ebenezer held up both of his hands to block her way. Just stay put, he said. Now listen. In all my days, I only seen one other person could work with the horses like you, could put a spell on them, and could ride... And could ride? Like, well, I only seen it one other time. I got me a notion, and maybe I'm crazy, but I got to see if I'm right. If you can do what I think you can do, I'm not about to let you go. As Ebenezer walked out of the tack room, he said, Bring around six. I need a wagon hitched. Charlotte tried to concentrate on what he'd said. Bring around six horses? Do what he thought she could do? Confused, she found the traces for six in the hand and brought the horses around, one at a time, to hitch them. When each horse was secured to the traces, Ebenezer said, Charlie, you drive. Charlotte stared at Ebenezer. I, I ain't drove six in the hand before, she said. I drove two, but not six. I know that, said Ebenezer. Get up here 
and let's take a run. Unless you're scared. I ain't scared, said Charlotte. She climbed into the wagon. What was Ebenezer up to? She felt like he was testing her, almost daring her to drive the team. He handed her the whip, but she wouldn't take it. She'd never whipped a horse in her life. It's for guiding your team by the sound, not for beating on a poor horse. Now, here are the ribbons, same as the reins. Hold them in your left hand and keep the whip in your right, he said. She took the whip and the ribbons and listened. Each of these pairs of ribbons controls two horses, so when you're driving six, you're holding three pairs of ribbons. It ain't as easy as it looks. Here's the pressure brake on the right. Use your foot to work it. Now release the brake and take her out a mile and turn around. Since the day Charlotte had caught the stage in Concord, she'd wanted to try a six-horse team, wanted to know what it felt like behind all those horses. Suddenly, she was getting her chance. She yelled, get along! Charlotte held the ribbons lightly and tried to keep the wagon straight on the road, but it veered to the right and then to the left. She had hitched enough teams to understand how the reins worked, but Ebenezer was right. It wasn't as easy as it looked. No one had to tell her, though, not to whip the horses. Charlotte gave gentle tugs on the ribbons, but even a slight pull sent the horses in another direction. As she approached the turn, the reins tangled. Some horses turned and some didn't. The wagon rolled into the horses, and suddenly she was in the middle of a heap of harnesses and horses. Ebenezer climbed out and said everything right. Guess I was wrong, he said, and gave her a peculiar look. Maybe you're just too young to learn the ribbons. Let's head back. I ain't ready to turn back, Charlotte said, and she began to feel that her escape from Mr. Milshark depended on being able to drive this team. Ebenezer climbed back in, and Charlotte set out. With a steadier hand, she pulled the horses back on course. She tried another turn and again muddled the horses and wagon. Ebenezer got out and straightened the lines. Before he could say anything, Charlotte reached for the reins. I can do it, she insisted. Charlotte took the reins again and again. Although she continued to get jumbled up in the turns, with each run, she felt an exhilaration that she had never felt before. Here were six strong horses waiting for her commands, her tugs on the reins to tell them which way to go. She yelled, ha, and gee, to get them to bear left and right like she did when she was riding one horse or driving two. She wished Hayward could see her and Vern. Vern would have never let her get out of that wagon until she figured out the turns. Just like when he taught her to ride, he kept putting her back on freedom after each fall, saying, Every time you fall, you'll learn something new about your horse. You'll learn what not to do next time. That's what was happening with the team. Every time she mixed up the reins, she knew what she had done wrong, and she tried not to do it again. 
After a dozen runs, she brought them around clean. Ebenezer finally nodded his approval with a small, satisfied smile. He had wanted her to figure it out. He had wanted her to be able to drive the team. But why? When they pulled back up to the stables, Ebenezer said, Charlie, or whoever you are, I need this team and this wagon driven to my new stables, and I'm figuring you can drive them. But you need to leave in the morning before first light. And there's something else. I don't need more stable boys in Rhode Island, but I need another stock tender, and soon I'll be needing coach drivers. You got a lot to learn, but I could train you if it suits you. She couldn't stop the grin that spread over her face. It suits me fine, she said.